Good morning, everyone. It's lovely to see you here this morning. Uh, we're going to dive straight in. We're continuing our series today, uh, which is entitled Investing in the Kingdom. Uh, we started this little mini-series last week looking at some questions uh, that we might have around money, that we might have about giving, um, including tithing, uh, but have maybe been afraid to ask in the past. And one of the things I said last week is that for many people, money is a very private issue. You know, people share with me all sorts of things. They share with me about their addictions, uh, their issues with sexual sin. Uh, but rarely, if ever, has someone shared with me uh, what they earn or what they give. And one of the challenges we face is that Jesus spoke a lot about money. Half of Jesus' parables have money as their subject. I'm told on good authority that one in seven verses in Luke's gospel is about money. Martin Luther, the great reformer, um, said this, that there are three conversions necessary for the Christian life. The conversion of the heart, the conversion of the mind, and the conversion of the purse or the wallet. And in my experience, the first two of those are easier than the third. And you see, very simply, there is a fundamental connection between our spiritual lives and how we think about and how we handle our money. And so if you ever want to do a spiritual health check, one of the best places to start is by looking at your giving. Now, my talk this morning is going to be a little bit different. Um, I sat down in this week and jotted down 10 reasons why we give as a family. So I'm going to share those. Um, we're going to look at a few Bible texts as we go through that together. I'm also going to point forward to next Sunday. Next Sunday is Commitment Sunday in the life of this church. And so as I talk, I want to invite you please to be thinking about your regular giving and also anything you might give over and above that regular giving to our church centre development. And I want to just simply say to you this morning, expect the Lord to speak to you. Um, after last Sunday, uh, someone shared with me that uh, how they'd been struggling to hear the Lord uh, speak to them and give them guidance on what to do with a sum of money that they'd come into. Um, and they'd been struggling with that. But during the talk... Uh, the Lord um, clearly spoke to them and gave them direction and said, do this with this and this with this and this with this. And you could see this sense of peace as they shared. So I want to invite you to be expectant um, as we share this morning. Now, at times I'm going to share quite personally. That carries a danger that you think we're sorted in this area of life. Uh, we're not. We're learning but we do have responsibility to lead. And so we're going to lift the curtain into this area of our lives. If you're here this morning and you're not yet a follower of Christ, um, firstly, I'm delighted that you're here. Secondly, you're pretty much off the hook this morning. Um, but what I hope is that what I share is helpful to you. So 10 reasons why we give. The first reason we give is as an act of worship. Paul writing in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Worship is the surrender 
of the whole of our lives. And Paul says it's like a sacrifice. And a sacrifice has a cost. There's a great story recorded in Mark chapter 14. A prostitute meets Jesus and she breaks open this jar of perfume in order to anoint Jesus's feet. And we find in that account that that jar of perfume was worth one year's wages. So as you think of that story, you can calculate what that is for you, one year's wages. And what she does is sacrifice financially as an act of worship to God, to Jesus. And very simply, Bethan and I want to live the same way. The second reason that we give is out of obedience. For us, the Bible is clear. Disciples, followers of Jesus, give. And, I, and I've shared this, I shared it last week. As a child of about seven, I started regularly giving to the church that I was a part of. Uh, when I was a student, I, I started to um, give 10%, the biblical, um, you know, the, the pattern of tithing that we spoke about last week. And as I shared last week, and this has been my experience, giving is not easy. But I think it is easier to obey God in this area than in many other areas of our lives. Why do I share that? I share that because when you read the teaching of Jesus, it is incredibly challenging. For example, Jesus says that we are to love everyone, even our enemies. That is hard. Jesus said that when we've been hurt, even in very deep ways, when we're offended, that we are to forgive. In other words, we are to let go without limit and without hesitation. That's really hard. Jesus said that we're to not look at another person in the wrong way. We're not to look at them lustfully. And this isn't just a male thing. But we're coming into a season of the year when people wear less clothes. This is really hard. See, the life that Jesus calls us to is not easy. But in the area of giving, in the area of dealing with our finances, I believe that it is a little easier. It's not easy, but it is a little easier to obey God. Third reason that we give is because what we do here affects eternity. What we do here affects eternity. This is Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 6. Um, he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, any investment that we make in this world stays in this world when we die. I spoke last week about, you know, at the end of our lives, everything goes back into the box. The box is about seven foot long, two foot wide, two foot deep. Everything goes back into the box. An investment in God's kingdom, by contrast, is eternal. And so one of the things that we know is that as we give to this church, an average of 150 people per week in our local communities get English language classes for free through Meeting Place. I know that around about 150 children and young people every Sunday get to hear the good news about Jesus Christ. I know that there are people in prison and detention centers that get visited 
I know there are people in local care homes that are being served. I know that there are several hundred families in local communities around here that find themselves in poverty that are served week by week by our Storehouse Compassion Project. Um, I've just got the numbers from the team. In the last six months, we provided 480 food bags. That's a 50% increase from the previous six months. In the past six or seven months, I now have in excess of 110 stories of people who have shared their faith with somebody else and the other person has said yes to Jesus. You see, we know that there are going to be people in heaven because of this church. And I'll know and we'll know as a family that we've been a part of that through our giving. For me, that is an extraordinary investment. You know, you can get about half a percent in the bank right now. One percent if you're lucky. This is an extraordinary investment. You see, we don't want to look back and think, if only we'd invested more in God's kingdom. And that leads on to the fourth reason that we give. The fourth reason that we give is so that we can be involved in everything that our church is doing. You see, I've just mentioned a few of the things that go on here week by week. There are so many things that I would personally love to be involved with, but I physically cannot. There's a whole load of things going on that I know absolutely nothing about. But through giving, we're a part of it all. Fifth reason that we give is to reflect God's nature. To reflect God's nature. God is extravagantly generous. And we supremely see that in the gift of Jesus Christ. One of the most well-known verses in the whole Bible, John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. God is an extravagant giver. And we simply want to be in some way a reflection of his nature. And we can do that as we give. Because that's what God is like. And so in our giving, we know that we are in some way reflecting his nature. Sixth reason that we give is because what we do affects what others do. You notice that? That what you do affects the person next to you? We know that what we do affects others. Paul writes this in Galatians chapter 6. He says, a man reaps what he sows. Man reaps what he sows. Let me just say, in this church, um, our pastoral team, we all give to the ministry of this church. You may not see that. You may not know it. We, we don't use the gray offering bucket as that goes around um, because we all give directly through our bank accounts. One of the things we do in this church, we ask people whether they're giving before they take on leadership responsibility in this church. Simply, simply because we know that what we do as leaders affects others. And we want you to have the very best leaders possible. Because we know that what we do affects others. Seventh reason that we give is to position ourselves for God's protection and for his provision. We, we looked in more detail at these verses last week. I'm going to read them again. They're from Malachi chapter 3, uh, just towards the end of the Old Testament, in fact. 
Uh, this is probably the last prophetic utterance until John the Baptist, a contemporary of Jesus, brought the earth. And it is on the subject of tithing, of giving the whole gift back to God. And this is what the Lord said through Malachi to the people that he was uh, speaking to. He said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Now, we dug into this um, in more detail last week. If you missed that, then I'd encourage you to go and listen to the talk. Uh, I, I, I shared some thoughts about tithing, what it was and, what it, and how it might work out, what it means for those of us now that are following Jesus in the light of grace, how we might respond to some of the things that we read in the Bible about this. One of the things I shared last week is that I don't know the exact nature of the blessing that God gives to those who give as He directs. I don't know the precise nature of that. I don't know the exact nature of His protection. You see, the way that protection is promised. What I simply know is that I want it. Whatever the measure of His provision and protection, I want that. And so I want to position myself, we want to position ourselves as a family to receive blessing and protection from God. What about you? What about you? You see, God blesses and protects those who give. Now, I'm going to share a little bit more personally at this point, as I've done in the last couple of years. There is a danger that as I do so, that you think we're completely sorted out in this area of our life. We are not. Let me assure you of that. I'm also aware that what I um, may share, um, uh, what I'm going to share may cost me uh, some of my reward in heaven. If it does, I do so willingly if it helps you to gain heavenly reward. So, we lay ourselves open to potentially uh, you thinking badly of us, uh, but I've again sensed that it would be helpful for us to, as I say, raise the curtain a little on this area of our lives um, just so that you can have a peek in. Um, and I hope that it is helpful to you. For the past 20 or so years, uh, Bethan and I have committed to, to tithing, to giving literally a tenth part of our gross income, we give before the tax man gets his hands on us. Uh, we've committed to giving a tenth part of our income uh, to the ministry of this church. And as our income has changed over these years, uh, we've amended our giving simply so that what we practically do matches our intention. So we've made a commitment and we've made sure that the actual practicality has tied up with that. Over the past 10 years or so, We've been on a journey of moving into uh, increasing generosity, increasing the proportion that we give away each year. Um, I continue to be inspired by people like Rick Warren. He pastors Saddleback Church out in California, a huge church. Um, he gives away 91% of his income each year. I can assure you we are not there. We're not at that place. But we are on a journey. And over the past uh, four years now, we've been giving a minimum of 20% of our income, the majority of which to the ministry 
of this church. We've, we've made a decision to increase our giving uh, so that we can invest in a lot of things, including the phase two building project just the other side of that wall. And that has meant sacrifice for us as a family. But then that's where I started this talk. Sacrifice is a part of worship, is a part of our giving. And I shared this quote last week, and I'll share it again. It's from C.S. Lewis, a great Christian author. And I, and I think this is actually quite profound. He wrote this, There ought to be things that we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditures exclude them. There should be things, there ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditures exclude them. I think that is actually really quite profound. You know, we as a family have got a whole lot more to learn. I know we're not the most generous people in this church, but we are committed to leading a generous church. And that's why we've shared in the way that we have this morning. The eighth reason that we give is to remind ourselves that it all belongs to God. To remind ourselves that actually it all belongs to God. This is um, from 1 Chronicles chapter 29. There's a wonderful story in there where the people of Israel, uh, under David's leadership, brought their gifts in order to, to prepare for building the temple. And after they'd done that, David prays this most extraordinary prayer. And this is one verse from his prayer. It's verse 14. He prays this, Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. There's a basic assertion that runs through the Bible that everything belongs to God. So as we think about our lives, as I think about my life, my house belongs to God. My car belongs to God. My sofa belongs to God. My chairs belong to God. My kitchen cupboards belong to God. My iPad belongs to God. My life itself belongs to God. And so our giving back to God is an action that reminds us that everything belongs to Him. It is one of those things that should prompt a thought in our head when we give that should remind us that actually it all belongs to Him. Ninth reason that we give is simply because it feels great. feels great. Um, Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, the Apostle Paul recall, recalls some words of Jesus. And what he recalls is this. He recalls Jesus saying, it is more blessed to give than to receive. As I've grown older... I've become far less bothered by what I'm given at Christmas or on a birthday. Far less bothered. But what I love seeing is the look from my kids' faces when we give them a gift that they've really wanted. And if you're a parent, you'll probably resonate with that. That you love the smile that comes over a child's face or a loved one's face when you give them a gift that they've longed for. It feels great to give, doesn't it? feels great to give. And you know, it's good for you. It's actually good for you. Studies have shown that people who give are less stressed, have better mental health, have better friendships, happier marriages, and live longer. It's actually good for your health. 
tenth reason, tenth reason that we give is because we love the vision of this church. We love the vision of this church. We love what God has called us to do together. You know, we've summed it up in a nutshell that our vision is to worship God, to love others, and to be Jesus in the world. And we love seeing lives changed. We love seeing parts of our communities changed. And we love that our giving is a part of that. And we're also loving seeing the building work that is progressing next door. Again, could I just encourage you that whether or not you need to use the toilet facilities between now and when you leave, go that way anyway. And have a look through the the, the fencing and into the space that is being created. What we're building next door, I believe, is a very significant step for us as a church. It's going to create a heart for our building. A space for welcome, a space for children and youth, and a space for growing and developing our storehouse compassion ministry. Now, you can't go upstairs yet, so I took a photo last week, or more accurately, Ash did. Um, The upstairs room is nearly finished, um, and you can see a picture of it there. Uh, The ground floor is uh, is progressing well. Uh, The flooring went in last week. There was still a lot to do, but good progress is being made. Now, many of you, if you've been around over the last couple of months, will know that we have faced some issues with building the link at first floor level. Um, A solution has been found. Um, It is being implemented. What that does mean is that we won't initially be able to use the first floor floor space um, in the way that we will ultimately be able to use it. And the other thing to let you know is we are going to put a lift into the building, but that's not going to be immediately. That will most likely be during the autumn term this year. Another thing that we are wanting to do is to fit out a cafe serving area, and we've not been able to do that yet. But one of the things that we do want to do is finish this project in one go. Um, And we also want to borrow as little as we can from the bank. And we can very simply all be a part of finishing this project. So just to to kind of update, this is where we are financially. Um, If we can click, there we go. So we are, um, I I believe very simply we can give huge thanks to God for the resources that he has released over these last uh, few years to make this project possible. Now, big question. When are we going to open? Has anyone been asking that? I know you have, because we've had a lot of questions. When are we going to open? I'm going to announce that next Sunday. Come along next Sunday. Next Sunday is Commitment Sunday. Uh, We're going to let you know our our plans for opening um, the building, um, and we'll love every one of you to be a part of that. Now, many of you will have received um, a letter um, that we've sent out. Um, If you haven't, then there are copies on the table at the back. If you're a part of our church family, uh, we'd love to make sure that you have uh, one of these um, envelopes before you go. Please do take a read, um, have a a look through it, um, and a pray through it. Um, If you're a part of this church, I want to really ask at this time of year that you take some time in this next week to review and pray through your regular giving to the ministry and life of this church. 
As I shared last week, one of the important things that we need to remember is that the Christian life um, is described as a walk. We're called to walk with God. And walking is all about taking the next step. Right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot. A walk is about taking the next step. And so in this area of giving, I want to encourage everyone to be asking the Lord, what is the next step? What is the next step for you? And so here's a few. It may be that if you've never given before, the next step is to begin to give. If you give sporadically, the next step would be to give regularly. If you give regularly, the next step may be to begin to tithe. And if you're tithing, the next step may be to give more extravagantly, to explore that. So I want to encourage you to do that in the next week, to pray and think through your giving. And secondly, I want to ask if you can be a part of the Phase 2 building project that we are continuing to work through, through gifts that are over and above your regular giving. And they can be either gifts now or pledged over this coming 12 months. And so what you'll find in the, in the letter and in the envelope, there's a response card, uh, which I'd love you to complete over this next week. That's not designed to cajole you in any way, but simply to make this as easy as we possibly can. And what I'd love you to do is to bring that with you to a service uh, next weekend, and we'll have an opportunity to bring those gifts together. My, the best advice that I can give to you is this. Pray. Ask the Lord to speak. Ask him what he wants you to do, and then simply do it. To pray, ask the Lord, and then do what he says. You know, I'm going to close with this. God is wonderfully generous. And we are, I believe, very privileged. We are privileged to lead a wonderfully generous church. And Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, writes to a bunch of people who were also generous. And Paul commends them for a lot of things. You can read that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He commends them for a whole load of things. And then he says this to them. He says, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. That's what Bethan and I are simply trying to do. We're trying to do our very best in this area of our lives. And we'd love uh, you to do the same to do the very best.